We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back. It is Friday, and you know what that means. It is the Friday free-for-all mailbag. And as of right now, Friday is still our mailbag day. That may change here pretty soon. But for today, we are going to be talking about whatever you want to talk about. As long as it's related to Notre Dame, Notre Dame football, uh, college football, and occasionally I let a couple movie or history things by but uh we're going to talk a lot of football today ryan ryan roberts is with me today everybody our wonderful director of recruiting at irish breakdown and you know me i'm brian so ryan man i I gotta tell you dude before we get started on this stuff i mean i'm calling you dude already i'm so fired up there's college football on tomorrow man i can't i've never been looking forward more forward to a nebraska northwestern game in my life i am so fired up right now for college football well, Nebraska Northwestern at one time was a pretty good game, but right yeah. now it's it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. the best in the world. Well, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting because you know um, you you I've got Nebraska winning the West. I mean, that's kind of one of my offseason bold predictions, right? Is Nebraska winning the West? And uh, you know, it's it's how are they going to handle it? You know, playing in Ireland and Northwestern's got the little Irish flag on their end or whatever. We were doing a recorded a show with John Garcia last night, and I don't think you could see it, but he had the the Nebraska fighting Irish on his whiteboard behind him, you know, just kind of a joke because Nebraska is going out to play in Ireland. So, uh, but man, I, I can't, I can't wait for it. You know, there's some really interesting games this weekend. And of course, last night already started Notre Dame high school kids kind of kicked off their season. Braylon James had three catches for hundred yards and a touchdown and played like a half of football. Yep. I think is what his dad said, right? Peyton Bowen and Eli Bowen had monster games. They beat Rockwell Heath 47, 14, Ryan, that was a that was a team that won like eleven or twelve games last year. They in were the like state of Texas I, in the yeah. preview. I think I think I had them down on eleven and two last year. So yeah, like it was. I, I put down it was a pretty good early test for yes. Denton Geyer. No, yes. no, it was not. Peyton was had not. a pick six that went seventy five yards. Eli literally like took a ball from a guy and then ran it back and had a touchdown reception. It's a really brilliant game for them. CJ Carr struggled last night in the game. Had four turnovers, but you know what I loved about it. Whenever they needed him to step up and make a big play, he made it. He threw a gorgeous yeah. – I think uh, uh, Hudsonville had taken a lead, and mm-hmm. CJ comes back and just throws a 55, about a 55-yard bomb 
yeah. and hits a receiver in stride, sets them up for a score. And then, you know, late in the game, they're up 17-15. He had two touchdown runs. They're up 17-15. They're trying to put the game away. And that seam throw he threw he he made to set up that final touchdown was just gorgeous. So uh, they started off one and zero, and and CJ did we need to do to get that W? So it was a lot of fun. Tons of games tonight. Ryan has the breakdowns of all of them. It's on at IrishBreakdown.com. He also has some YouTube clip, not YouTube clips, Twitter clips of some highlights last night. You get to see that deep shot by CJ Carr. You see a couple brilliant catches that Braylon James made last night. I mean, he he wasn't just out running dudes. He was making really contested catches. He had an impressive first night. And then, of course, the pick six by Peyton Bowen was something you're going to want to see. And if you're on the board, boards.irishbreakdown.com. If not, you should be. We're going to be doing a little, we'll call it a watch party tonight. So tonight, I talked to Jeremiah Love this weekend. He's actually playing a game in Canton at 6 o'clock Eastern time. My last update, I put the link already on there. Canton, Ohio? Canton, Ohio, oh, yeah. Nice. It's, it's like I feel what the name of it is. It's something classic or yeah, something. I'll so, be in like, there on the, Tuesday. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's really neat. So he uh, he sent me the link the other day. So when I did the little update on him the other day, I put the link in the bottom of there. But I'm I'm gonna do a new post here after we get off the show because I'm gonna be watching that game and just kind of do some instant reaction stuff. Because obviously Jeremiah Love is the number one offensive player on the board for Notre Dame right now, right? So I, I'm really excited to see his game. He he told me quote unquote that he's gonna, they're going to shock the world tonight. I guess they're playing a pretty good football team, but it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure if you're not on the uh, the Irish board, um, the 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 message board, excuse me. Make sure you sign up today because it's going to be fun to just get a little watch party to watch Jeremiah Love later today. I'm actually looking to see who they play tonight. I'm pulling up their schedule. They play they're, they're, Milton. They're an, okay, yeah, they're they're an zero and one team. But uh, from what Jeremiah was kind of telling me, it sounds like they're a pretty pretty good football team. So yeah, no, no, uh, Milton's a team I'm familiar with. I'm just curious who they played. They lost to Lipscomb. Okay, so Milton played Caleb Beasley's team in the opener. Um, so yeah, and Cal- uh, Caleb had a nice game against them. He had an interception. They're playing in Ohio, but it's a team from Georgia. Milton is from Georgia. So it's the yeah. Freedom Bowl in Canton, Ohio, but it, neither team is from because I'm looking at them and this is a lot of Georgia teams for a team from Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a <laughs> right. team from Georgia. So it'll be a very, very interesting game. But yeah, but they lost to Caleb Beasley and Lipscomb in the opener, 17 mm-hmm. to 7. So uh be a very good test for Jeremiah Love, who Ryan has had a lot of updates on over the last month. So I'm glad to see everyone else is finally coming around to what Ryan has been saying for quite yep. some time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. You gotta give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Ryan, let's dive into the mailbag, man. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. Let's get started with Christopher Moore. I had the first super chat in there. Thank you for this, Christopher. He said, Al Golden has talked about making in-game adjustments from series to series. Do you think he will be in the box or on the field to make those adjustments? It's almost impossible to tell. I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. Because, again, we're talking about a guy that has not called defense since, what, 2004, 2005? So, like, right. I don't know what his style is. I believe is when he was he in the box defense. back then. Right. I, most but guys – actually, eh, it's, it's kind of a mix, man. I was gonna Defensive say coordinator, it's definitely a mix. Yeah, Def- yeah. Offensive coordinators usually tend to be up top. Not all of them, but they tend to be up top. When I when I when I call the defense, I like to be right on the field in yeah. the action. But when I was an assistant, just to the defensive coordinator, I did like being in the box because it's like the different view. So I, I guess it's really what Coach Golden prefers. I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, I think he was a guy that was a box guy as a coordinator, but then he becomes a head coach, and then in the NFL, he's always been an on the field guy. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what his stance is. And I think the other part of it too is is what is his trust level with the communication with from himself to the coaches and then to the players. I think that's going to be the big key: is do you trust your assistants to relay specifically what you're saying for those adjustments to the players? And it's I shouldn't say trust because if he's on the field, it doesn't mean he doesn't trust them. It right. just means that maybe their communication isn't quite there, or he doesn't necessarily – maybe he wants to just be there because I, I don't know if I can say it. I need to make sure that I'm just there. So I think that could factor in it early on as well. Maybe he starts in the the field and moves up. or I mean, there's a lot of different aspects of it. But it just a lot of it, though, Ryan, is just what is your personal preference? I don't think there's a right way or wrong way. It's what's right for you and what 100%. works best for you as a coach. I mean, to your last point, Brian, like I've, I've been around a bunch of coordinators that they would kind of go back and forth, you know, it's like some games they like to be in the box, some games they like to be right in the action. I really think it does depend on not only the personal preference, but like there's different games that just have a different feel to it, right? Like you just kind of, 
I mean, like if it's a if if it's a tempo team, right? Like, wouldn't I want the main communicator to be right there on the field trying to relay the the signals and do all that type of stuff? Like, I, there's just a lot of layers to it. So we'll see. But I, I assume he'll be in the box. But that's just speculation on my part. Yep. So we we'll see how that pans out. We had another super chat from Dino Bambino twenty three. I love this name. I like these throwback questions. These are a lot of fun, especially on a mailback day. If Jimmy Clausen and Golden Tate had played their senior year, could we honestly say that they would have been unstoppable and could have gone to the natty? Floyd, Rudolph, Armando Allen, Sear Wood were there on offense. You know, I have I have often thought about this, Ryan. And mm-hmm. when I look at that Notre Dame football team, I I looking back, I don't know if Charlie Molnar and some of the guys on the offensive staff would have necessarily been good enough to to be that. But, you know, that that football team was not – I mean, I think they beat Michigan if Jimmy Clausen and Golden Tate are there. They lost by four, and they had a lead when Dane Chris got hurt. Nate Montana and Tommy Reese came in. When Dane came back, they didn't have a lead anymore. Uh, he got them lead back. They lost – you know, and then Michigan got it back again. They lost by Michigan to Michigan State on the road by three on that little stupid little Giants play. Mm-hmm. And then they lost to Tulsa by one. Those are three games for sure that Notre Dame wins if those guys play. Stanford in 2000 in that year, I don't know if that's a game Stanford, if Notre Dame wins. I mean, they got they got destroyed in that game. I mean, it was 37-14. It was a competitive game. Would Jimmy have been good enough to maybe dice them apart? Maybe. I mean, Jimmy tore Stanford up the year before in his last game at Notre Dame. And it was basically the same Stanford team. You know, I mean, the Stanford team in 2009 was uh, not quite as good defensively as they were in 2010. 2010 is when they kind of took a big jump forward. But, you know, he he torched that defense the year before, if you remember. Stanford ended up winning, uh, was it 45-38? I'm looking up the this, this stats now. But, I mean, Jimmy went 23 of 30 for 340 yards and five touchdowns. You know, you come in – yeah, yeah. You come into that game, you know, in, in 2010 and – you know, Notre Dame had, you know, didn't have Jimmy, didn't have Golden Tate. I mean, I think those guys would have made a big impact. I, I think they would have beat Navy that year. Because mm-hmm. remember what hurt them against Navy was was Michael Floyd didn't play that game, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, against Navy. And and I'll have to go back and, and, and look at that. But I'm pretty sure that Michael Floyd missed that game uh, against Navy. And then they went out and uh, lost. He had zero catches for zero yards. So, yeah, if Michael Floyd didn't have any catches or yards, he wasn't healthy. So he got, he got locked down by by that great name. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> uh, so you didn't have him. It just was a mess. I don't think Jimmy loses to Navy with that team. I, yeah, the Stanford's the only game. I don't know. That's the only mm-hmm. game I'm uncertain of. So I think the very least they would have been 11 and one win in the natty. I love Jimmy Clausen. I don't think they're beating Cam Newton. I, I just, <sighs> I don't, you know, I mean, that, that wasn't a great team. It wasn't a great Auburn team. They had a great player. I don't yes. know if Notre Dame would have been able to stop him. I mean, I, you know, the, Bob Yaku did a great job with that defense. Would they have been able to stop Cam? I, I don't know. I, I have my doubts. Michael Dyer wasn't either running back on that 2010 team. Michael Dyer. They had uh, yeah. Nick Fairley, a defensive tackle, yeah. had a monster year that year. But yeah. but I'll say this. Of all the teams in the last 15 years, I mean, I think that Auburn team was one of the more beatable ones. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was – like the 2012 Bama team. I mean, they had, they had a great one, great player. I mean, that year in 2010, you know, they gave up 24 points a game. 
Mm-hmm. They had some some really close wins that year. You know, beat Mississippi State by three, beat Clemson by three, beat South Carolina by eight, beat Kentucky by three, beat LSU by a touchdown, beat Alabama by one. Had to come back and do that, and that was in that, that 2010 was, a, was without question out without question Saban's worst team since the mm-hmm. 09 title team, and they lost three games. I mean, they haven't lost that many games in a in a in a long time. Lost by two touchdowns to South Carolina because. Yeah, Spurrier was still there, and you know, so could they have had a chance? Sure, uh, there were still holes on that roster, but that that Notre Dame 2010 and 11 teams had a lot more NFL talent than people like to talk about, and and wasted a lot of it, to be honest with you. And that's that's a different story for a different day, and LSU fans can deal with that. You know, what, now. was was so. that that year for Alabama? Was that still Greg McElroy? Because they won in 09 right with him, and then they lost like a few games the year after, I believe. If Not, I yeah, correctly. it was Greg McElroy's last year. Yes, he was the yeah. quarterback on that team. And then AJ McCarron took over the next year. Yep. And they were a running team. AJ really took off in 2012 and 2013. He was a much better player in those two years than he was in, in 2011. It was just run the ball and beat out Philip Sims, if you remember him, was a highly ranked recruit from Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I mean, that, 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 that's the thing is Alabama wasn't rolling out five-star after five-star after five-star then. I mean, they had some no. guys. I mean, they had Julio, sure. but as I've pointed out in the past, that was a team that was physical, well-coached, and all those type of things. But they were more beatable back then, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I still think some of the best coaching jobs Saban did were early in his tenure at Alabama. I, I think agree. they have out just out-talented and out-athleted people, much more so in recent years, for sure. I don't disagree with that at all. What do you Man, think I, that team would have done, Ryan, in 2010, that Notre Dame team, if they had Jimmy Claus and a Golden Tate? I I just don't think the defense was good enough and the coaching had some holes They were top in it. 25 I mean, defense that year, though, scoring. Yeah, I mean, but, like, what were they going to do again? I know you said that, that Auburn's beatable, but, like, how are they going to defend Cam Newton? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – Cam Newton, I'm not a big Cam Newton guy, never really have, mm-hmm. but like that season, man, he just made yeah. everybody around him so much better that well, year because it was not a great roster for Auburn. And, and, it the, really and wasn't. The, the problem was, Ryan, is you could get a lead on him, but then he would just get it right back. And that's, I mean, he did that time and time again. Kentucky almost beat Auburn. I mean, LSU almost beat Auburn. And every game yeah. is like Cam would just, you know, but I guess, they, you know, would, would Jimmy Claus, Golden Tate, and Michael Floyd been enough to get it back? You know, I think that's the thing I look at because, like you said, that Sweet Auburn question. pass defense wasn't great. No, I don't even I don't remember yeah. any defenders on that team other than yeah. um they had well they had D Ford on that team, right? And right. then they had Nick Fairley. So. Like that's yeah. the only two that I remember that were like significant players. Everybody else was just kind of yeah. I think like Darren Bates was on that team, right? Like a couple okay players, but like nobody special, obviously. Yeah, their leading tack was Josh Burns. Next was Zach Etheridge, Nico Thorpe, Craig Stevens, Nick Fairley, Mike McNeil, Damon Washington, Darren Bates, as you said, to Charvin Bell, Aaron Savage, El Toro Freeman, Antoine Carter. I'm just going down list of top tacklers. Zach Clayton, Jonathan Evans. I mean, you know, to your point, that team won because they had freaking Cam Newton. You know, Darvin Adams was a nice player. You know, I mean, yeah. he's a nice player. Uh, Michael Dyer was a good player, but. Sure. You know, Ontario McCaleb was on that team, if you remember him. They won because of Cam Newton. I mean, yes. that's that's the reality of it. And that's why the next year, when they didn't have Cam Newton, <laughs> they were a eight and five team. And then two years later, when what, three and nine? And Chiswick yes. got fired. So, you know, that, Cam that Newton year, had been better than they were. That, that year was like LSU 2019, man. It was just like, it was kind of like very average and mediocre around it. But it was just that one season right. where they had a 
well, LSU had more than just one guy and Joe. Burrow. Yeah, like LSU was more dudes, of a great but... team. Your point yes. was that one season was the anomaly compared yes. to the others. But the difference between that 19 team and that 10 team is that team won because of just Cam Newton was just one elevated player. everybody. Yeah. Imagine if Cam would have had studs around him. And that's what Joe, <laughs> Joe Burrow was a phenomenal player. I mean, look, was. what's funny is all this LSU nonsense that's going on, on on Twitter. Oh, you hate LSU. You're a hater and all that. I'm like. Uh, how many people do you know that predicted LSU to make the college football playoff in 2019? Uh, I know a guy that did this guy, you know what I mean? Because you could see that they had the talent. They just didn't have the people in place to, to dick direct that talent where it needed to go. Right. And when they hired Joe Brady and you started hearing things in the off season that coach O was going to open up the offense. And I'm like, okay, if he does that, this team's going to be really good. Cause it wasn't a talent problem at LSU in 2019. It was a coaching problem. Brian, you know what we should do sometime? This is kind of a, a, a interesting little bit of a, a, of a evaluation. I think we should talk about some of the past recruits of just rant. Like it doesn't have to be Notre Dame centric, but some of the past players like that were committed to another school and kind of do like a, what if they went to the other school type of thing? Cause if you think about it, I, if I remember correctly, wasn't Jamar Chase committed to Kansas before LSU? I believe he was. Yes, it was like he was, some weird thing like that. There was two top hundred kids from Louisiana that committed to Kansas. Yeah, I think I, I can't remember what the other kid played. He might have been a DB running. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, Jamar had committed early to Kansas. It was very strange, and he was highly could, ranked. It wasn't like he was some nobody that nobody heard of, exactly. and then he blew up and went to LSU. And could you imagine weird. if he went? To, if he oh went my god! <laughs> but you know what's know crazy? What LSU yeah. still wins the title in nineteen if Jamar Chase stays oh, at sure. Kansas. Sure, that's what I, was I, crazy about that team. Yeah, I, I meant more from like Jamar Chase's yeah. perspective. Like, what happens to Jamar Chase if he goes to Kansas? You know, like I have no idea. I would like to think that he would still be a really good player for Kansas because you know he's as good as he is but like I don't maybe know somebody sent him a thing and said Kansas puts out first round draft picks every year and they just didn't tell him that they were talking about the NBA <laughs> right. you know not not NFL but yeah you know but honestly I I wish more stuff like that actually happened I wish more kids would blaze their own trail I do I'm not saying Jamar Chase I mean I mean Kansas might be I don't know if I want to blaze a trail to Lawrence Kansas <laughs> right you know maybe a different example but I wish right. more kids would do that. I wish more kids would say, you know what? I don't want to be the next so-and-so at Alabama. I want to be the first at this, or I want to be a guy that plays a role in turning this program around. And I wish more guys would do that. I think that, that's why I like, that's game. why I like the thing that uh, Travis Hunter going to Jackson state, man. Like it's, it's different, you know, it's, I had no it's, problem. It's with interesting. That. Yeah. No problem with that. I mean, it, it's all, oh, they bought him. So right. is that even what you Texas know, A&M did? You, you know, know I mean, I mean, let's be honest though. He made like what he he got like a million dollar deal or something. That was like the that, right? that was what was reported. Yeah, sure. he says he didn't, but whatever. I, I guarantee. Well, regardless, I guarantee other schools offered him probably more money than Jackson State did. Like, are you yeah. telling me that Jackson State outbidded sure. a bunch of SEC schools? Like You're the I, number I one player that. in the country. You're telling me nobody yeah. in the SEC was willing to give more than Jackson State. Like, let's just serious. say that that rumor <laughs> of a million dollars is true, and he denied it, and whatever. I, let's just say it's true. You're telling me nobody else in the SEC wanted to pay more than a million dollars for the number one player in the country? Come on, refuse now. to believe it. Refuse no. to believe it. It I doesn't make the any kid sense. Wanted to like... blaze his own trail, and you know what? Right. Good for him. Absolutely. I got no problem with that. I mean, I've had I've, I've had some very interesting conversation about my opinion of HBCUs, right? So mm-hmm. my view of them and what should be happening with those type of schools. I wish more kids would do that. To be completely honest with you. 
I, I watched, um, I forgot to tell you, it was a few weeks ago. I actually watched the Jackson State spring game mm-hmm. and they got my man playing DB and wide oh, yeah, on that team. And that's part of, that is, oh. and, and you know, take the money aside. That was part of the pitch that Dion gave him yeah. is look, dude, you're going to play both sides. And I mean, your head coach is a guy that did that in the National Football League. Sure. So, you know, I mean, he knows how to, he knows, I mean, the, the sales pitches, he knows how to get that done. So, yeah, I, I I got no problem with it. But I wish more kids would, whether it's Jackson State or Tennessee State or Southern or Grambling or Vanderbilt, NC State, you know, don't go to Clemson, go to NC State. You know, don't go to, you know, don't, don't, don't go here, go to, you know, Auburn or, you know what I mean? Don't go to Bama, go to Auburn, go to, go to Georgia Tech instead of Georgia, whatever the case may be, like blaze your own trail, you know, be that guy that resurrects a program. Cause those are the legends. I mean, mm-hmm. people are like, wait a minute, who was the quarterback on the Bama team? Was it this guy, this guy, or this guy? I can't remember, <laughs> you know, like I remember they had a bunch of good running backs, you know, but it, like to me, it's like, but everybody remembers that guy that turned that one program around, you know, everybody, I mean, everybody remembers Todd Reesing at Kansas. I love Todd right? Racing, man. Can you name another? Players. Can you name another Kansas quarterback in the last? Year? Why was? Why do we remember him? Because he took him to the stinking Orange Bowl. He won. I mean, he yeah. won like twelve games the one year. Yeah. Like, it was incredible. At Kansas, man. right? Yeah. Guy's like five ten, rag arms. Dude could no play. Arm. Yeah, dude but, could yeah. play. He was a baller, man. But he's he a legend. He's yes. a legend. He's a five foot ten quarterback legend. Why? Because he went somewhere that nobody expected him to win, and and he won. And mm-hmm. I just wish I wish more kids would do that. To be honest with you. He's one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite non Notre Dame players of all time. Yeah. I love speaking. Talk about getting everything out of your talent, Brian. Like Todd Reesing got everything out of his talent, man. Mm-hmm. Like he ended up being a great football player for Kansas. I mean, Kansas has never been that good. I mean, I don't know how they were when they had like Gail Sayers back in like the '60s or right. whatever. But like in my lifetime, Kansas has never been good except for when Todd yeah. Reesing was the quarterback right. with Mark Mangino. That was the only right. time. Hey, Ryan, what's your dad's name? Ray. So your dad has a comment in the chat. He said, if you remember, Ryan, me and you predicted that if Burrow elevated his play in 2019, they had a shot at winning a championship that season. So there you go. So great minds think alike. But that's the thing. And this kind of relates to Notre Dame. I had this conversation with somebody last year before the season. And they were like, well, we don't have all these first-round draft picks. I'm like, nobody thought LSU had a bunch of first-round draft picks before that year either. You know, it was those guys were elevated because you put a system in place that maximized their potential. And that's this kind of goes back to a conversation Sean Davis and I had last Saturday about Marcus Freeman is, will Marcus Freeman be willing to still believe in the the need to play great defense, but not so much to the degree that he tamps down the potential to be explosive on offense? You know, does he try to implement a ball control offense or does he say, look, we're going to open a sucker up because that's how you win a championship. Now, are we going to still value playing great defense? Yeah. Like Clemson did it. What what was Clemson in 2018? 44 and 13, 44 points for 13 against something like that. Yeah. Right. Like you can be that kind of team. And, you know, there's no reason Notre Dame can't be a 40 and 14 type of team, meaning 40 points and 14, uh, four and 14 against. Yep. And that's what, you know, at Orgeron had always been a, we're going to pound the ball and win these contested games. And it wasn't working. And they were, they were not playing to their potential. But then he finally brings in Joe Brady, says, let's open this sucker up. And, Look what happens. And all the stars aligned. Yeah, they had all those first round. They had all that first round talent. But even though mm-hmm. nobody necessarily knew they were all first round players, like who are who are, who right. really heard of Clyde Edwards Alaire outside of the football junkies before 2019? Barely who anyone. Knew, yeah, who knew who Terrace Marshall was outside of LSU fans prior to 2019? You knew right. about who all those guys were. 
very quickly Je- that season. Je- Justin Jefferson was projected as like a third or fourth round pick before that season, and yeah. then he does what he does, and Mr. now he's three star recruit. Hold on, argu- I want to look that up. Yeah, he is. I, yeah, I remember he was a three star, and he, I mean, he's arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. Like he, first two years he went for he, yeah. he went for fourteen hundred as a rookie and sixteen hundred last year. It's most yards in the first two seasons do you, ever. Do you remember how people reacted on the board the other day when when Notre Dame landed a defensive lineman that's a three star that's ranked in like the eight nine hundreds? Yes, Justin Jefferson coming out of high school was the number two thousand one hundred and sixty four player in the country by on the mm-hmm. composite list. Number 76 player in Louisiana and was ranked as the number 308 wide receiver in the country that year. Must have been a good year in Louisiana. Yes. (laughs) Yes. On the composite, that's the composite. Mm -hmm. So uh, now 247 Sports had him ranked way higher. They had him ranked number 205 in the country at wide receiver. Good for them. No. Good for them. At wide oh, receiver, oh, I'm being sarcastic. I overall, I mean, no, overall. That's just, I, I did that. I paused for effect. I got you there. Uh, number two hundred and five overall receiver. So, yeah. Uh, look, does that mean I want to go build my roster with a bunch of kids ranked number two thousand one hundred sixty four? No, it's about finding talent, and sometimes it's going to look like, you know, uh, Michael Floyd, five star recruit. Sometimes it's going to look like Justin Jefferson. Just find the talent or and get Jeff both. Sam- Jeff Samarja. Jeff- right. If you want to exactly. take it to a Notre Dame term. Exactly. It's like, yeah, exactly. it happens. So, yes, you and your dad also had that conversation. I mean, you, you could see it, right? You could see it if they just – if if Edo was legit about opening it up, you just – you knew the talent was there. Because I actually liked yeah. Joe Burrow in 2018 when they let I, him play. I, I liked him. I, I definitely did not think he was going to do no. what he did, though. Like, no. I thought he was going to be a good football player. He turned into a – you know, one of the best that we've ever seen. None <laughs> so. of us are saying that we predicted LSU was going to go 15 and 0 and right? score 50 points a game. And Joe Burrow's going to do that. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying have, have we the, knew the they were going to be a really dangerous team that year. Yeah. If they opened it up because the talent was there and, but no, I didn't see coming what came. I'm not going to pretend to claim that, but I thought Joe Burrow could be a, a 35, 3,800 yard passer, throw 30 touchdowns. And that alone would have had LSU in the, in the playoff. I mean, how much right, talent I mean, they had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, de- that defense had some dudes on it too, man. It was yeah. like Christian Fulton and Grant oh, yeah. Elpit. And yeah, it was a good, it was a good. Defense now they too. gave up a lot more points that year and, and mm-hmm. yards that year because than normal because of just how quickly their offense scored. But uh, I mean, that was a, and that was a dynamic team. That was such a dynamic team, but uh, yeah. So that's, that's kind of, that's an interesting one. I, I love questions like that. Alan Watson with a super chat. Thank you, Alan, very much. This is all right, Brian. Time for your coaching cap today. You win the toss. How would you choose if it's raining or if it's clear? If it's a clear and sunny day? I, Ryan, I don't know if rain changes my stance much. I would, I would say, other than I would probably lean a little bit more towards choosing whatever option it is to kick off. You know what I mean? So, like, if it's if I lose the toss and they defer to me, I mean, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I'm taking the ball, right? Sure. sure. But, um, you know, I would I would want to ideally start on defense if it's raining. Uh, that's just my thing. But it would also depend on how long has it been raining. Mm-hmm. Because depending on the field, some fields are a little slicker when it first starts raining. Some fields, it's like you want to get on the on the field. It just started raining. You want to get on the field first before the water settles in <laughs> and it becomes slippery. 
There's yeah. just so many different things to go into it, Alan. But, uh, you know, most likely it would increase my desire to start on defense. But a lot of it would just depend on, you know, if we're looking at the Notre Dame team, is it windy? You know, do I care more about choosing the direction of the wind early? I mean, it, those are different aspects of it. But if it's clear and sunny, uh, I, I, that my personal preference is I want the ball because mm-hmm. I want that cl- that crowd quiet before their offense gets on the field. I do not want to put my defense in a, in a situation where the, we're down before our offense even gets on the field. Uh, sure. And I don't want to put my offense in that situation either, but that's my personal preference. I mean, I know other people are got to defer. You got to defer. What? I think it's a personal preference thing. I don't think it's a, you're going to win the game if you do this or do that. I just, I'm just, I don't, I don't buy into that philosophy. I think it's just what you prefer and what your what's the makeup of your football team. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some t- statistic that tells me that you're wrong on that. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, because the, 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 no, no, there is, there's people that have pointed this out. Well, the, this team wins I'm like, okay. So you're telling me that, that Bama only wins because they defer, you know, it's not because they have better players and better coaching. It's no, it's because they chose to be on defense first. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, all right. If you say so. Right. I mean, I, I think the better team wins and I, now I do think there's some strategy into deferring and, and kicking off. I'm not saying that those things don't matter. I'm just mm-hmm. saying I don't think they're this huge thing. I think it, it, you know, where it's there's only one way to do it. I just think it depends on what's the best way for your team, that particular game, that particular matchup. A counter argument could be to start on defense and the opener is, you know, let the defense get out there so Tyler has a second to let the adrenaline kind of go down a little bit as the Chill defense out. is on the field. Yeah. I mean, that there's merit to that argument too for yeah. that particular game. But mm-hmm. the next week against Marshall, I want the ball. Right. I mean, so it's just it's about what is the makeup of your team? What do you think is best for your team to get started off on a good note in this particular matchup? I think it care. I care more about starting about the problem is people think too much about what it does for the second half. Well, if you're down 24 to nothing in the second half, it doesn't matter. Right. right. I want to focus on what's going to allow us to get off to the best start possible. That's the that's the key for me. Well, um, that's an interesting point, Brian, because I remember when. Andy Reid was in, with the Eagles and he had Donovan McNabb. He, well, I mean, it was easy, but he always wanted to start on defense, actually, even though he's an offensive guy. One, because he has Jim Johnson, who's a great defensive coordinator, right? So, like, they had a great defense at that point. But Donovan McNabb was one of those guys, to your point, that he got, like, way too amped up at times. And he and he had a bad habit of, like, over-squeezing the ball. And a lot of balls would just go into the dirt early on in games, you know? So, he was one of those guys where, like, it's chill, man. Like you're right. We got it. We got it going here, you know. So he, he's to your point. That that's kind of the Brady Quinn was a little bit like that at Notre Dame, right? If you remember, you Brady would that. just drive some balls high or miss early because he was just he was really strong and he was just really amped up and kind of needed to get into a little bit of a rhythm. But that's again, that's yeah. knowing your team, mm-hmm. right? Know your team. Know what works best for you. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, well, it's a Brady, personal Brady, thing. Brady gives me the impression that he was probably the guy that was also doing, you know, like pre-workout and lifting right before he went <laughs> He's out. He's in the weight room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Every, doubt. No everything's doubt. all everything's all tight when he gets out yeah. there. And I'm like, no, Brady, yeah. loose a little bit, buddy. Now, that may not be what he was doing, but he definitely looked like it. He was a pretty jacked <laughs> yeah. up guy. He was a pretty he strong was. dude. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. Couldn't you That's, see him in like Zimikowski just in the weight yeah. room, just like pumping right Doing a push up challenge, there. you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, oh, a curl yeah. challenge or a you know, a dip challenge or something like that. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it didn't happen, but yeah, that that it wouldn't shock me if if it did. That's hilarious. 
Alan Watson with another super chat. Besides a couple of lose lose teams during his tenure, which team or teams would you like to have a do-over with? For me, it's the team that had to play Clemson in a monsoon. Ryan, there is no doubt. Mm -hmm. It post Lou Holtz, the one team that I believe more than any other that if I could have a do-over with and make some changes to that team's coaching-wise, they mm -hmm. win a championship. It's 2015. I mean, you had explosive athletes on both sides of the ball. Yeah. You had NFL linemen literally filling both of your lines. Mm -hmm. I mean, the offensive line in 2015 had three first-round picks and a second-round pick. And the fifth guy would have been a draft pick had he not quit football after his junior year. Defensive line-wise, I mean, you had Jerry Tillery was a starter on the team. He was a first-round pick. Sheldon Day was on that team. He was a fourth-round pick. Isaac Rochelle was an NFL draft pick. Romeo Aguara was not drafted, but has been, of all those four guys, the best pro of all of them. Yes. You had the most dynamic linebacker in college football in a long time at linebacker. You had NFL players in the secondary. You had, I mean, that team should have been so much better. And they were 10-3, and three, but they lost mm -hmm. to every good team they played because right. of coaching and that's a team that I, if I get a oh i'm sorry i forgot to mention this a second round pick at quarterback a third round pick at running back he was backed up by a guy that broke the freshman rushing record that year and ran for 1400 yards two years later you had a, a first round pick at receiver that ran a 4-3-2 you mm -hmm. know yeah you had some athletes your slow receiver was a 4-4-8 you know <laughs> i mean that team should have been so much better than it was that's, That's the one do-over that yeah. I would give. And it's not yeah. – I mean, I could do 2017, but that that's a little different deal. I mean, you know, look, I, I've said this before. If if Brian Kelly would have fired Brian McGord after 2014 like he should have and just brought in, I mean, Mike Elko, who we would have known even less about at the time, or just any remotely competent defensive coordinator, I truly believe that team wins a title. Because they still almost beat Cle – think about this. They went on the road, played Clemson in a, in, in a rainstorm. Clemson goes up 7-0. Notre Dame gets the ball. They shank a punt. Clemson's mm -hmm. next touchdown drive is 25 yards. That puts them up 14-0. Notre Dame fumbles the ball on a kick return after a Clemson score. Oh, I'm sorry. They start the second half with the ball, fumble. Clemson goes down and scores. Notre Dame fumbles the ensuing kickoff. And yet, at the end of that game, Notre Dame has an, a two there's a two point conversion attempt away from tying against yeah. the eventual national runners up. But yeah, Notre Dame lacked talent. Sure, okay, yeah, it's the players. It's definitely the players. Yeah, sure, sure. whatever you say. That that was uh, when Procise had that long touchdown near the end of that game, right? To kind yeah. of get him back into it. Uh, yeah. It was uh, yeah, it's a wheel route. Yeah, fifty five yard yeah. wheel route. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and I forgot to mention. Chris Brown fumbles inside the 10 yard line. I mean, come it was on. An ugly, it was an ugly game and yeah. they still should have won. That's yep. <laughs> just the, the point blank. Or, or at least had a chance to win. Like they, yeah, they, they killed yep. themselves that game. That was a yep. self indicted game against Clemson that year. Yeah, that was frustrating. Very frustrating. Wade Garrett with a super chat. Thank you, Wade. Wade says since 1902, Ohio State has never lost when scoring more than 35 points. It changes next weekend. 41-40, Notre Dame on a game-winning Buckner drive. Let's go. I mean, yeah, I mean, not a lot of teams aren't going to lose if you score more than 35 points. I like how he says more than 35 because they did score 35 against Clemson in the Orange Bowl in 2013 and lost. Mm -hmm. But, yes, uh, 
If Notre Dame, if Notre Dame gives up more than 35 and wins, I'll be shocked. Pleasantly so. And yeah. I'll tell you what, that's going to make for a really entertaining game. Talking about like just one of the most fun games ever. If you're a person who likes offense anyway, if you're a defensive person, you're going to be just like miserable. Want to pull your hair out. That That's it. That's an instant classic game, man. That'll be on, oh, yeah. uh, you know, ESPN, whatever for years and years. Well, it depends on who wins. Well, <laughs> It may actually be now because ESPN's probably a little bit in their feelings about losing the Big Ten to uh, uh, to to Fox and NBC and Sport and CBS. So they may they may want to play some more. They may show a little bit more love to Notre Dame than they have in the past. But yeah, it would instant classic, Ryan. At least yeah. for Notre Dame fans. I mean, I imagine Notre. Dame, how many times do you think Notre Dame fans would rewatch that game during the season if Notre Dame wins that game? Oh, if if Notre Dame beats Ohio State, I'm going to watch it at least ten times before the next week. So yeah, yeah. and you're on the low end of what I think most Notre Dame fans. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I mean maybe ten times in the next. I know my buddy Jason will watch it ten times before the next game. I'm just fact, fact. I mean he will, he will. There's I'm, no. I'm going to watch that. it for um, one time for every Brian Kelly outburst on the sideline that we've seen over the years. So what's that like thirty seven ish? Uh, say that again. <laughs> I said, I said, I'm going to watch one time for every Brian Kelly outburst that he had on the sideline during his tenure. Oh God. Are you, are you going to have enough time to, to, to watch, do anything else other than that? I mean, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot. That's a lot of outbursts mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's a lot of outbursts. We've got Patrick McGrain with the super chat. Is Keon hundred percent done with Notre Dame? Can Buckner be Mary Otis? So that's two questions. We'll answer the first one there. Uh, no, he's not done with Notre Dame. He's still considering Notre Dame. Notre Dame has moved on, but the, uh, Keon also knows. Uh, I'm 100% positive he has been told that if he wants to be at Notre Dame, he knows their number. He knows he can call, and they would welcome him back with open arms, but they have to go prepare for what they got to do. I mean, it's about them. Hey, you know, cause here, here's the reason why, and, 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 and I think a case can be made for people that like it, don't like it, and I think it's a fair argument to be made on both sides. I really don't. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this, but if you're Notre Dame, you're like, look, there's nothing else. We did everything. We threw everything at Keon. We had him committed for over a year. We did everything that we could do, and he just decided he didn't want to be here, and for you know all the reasons he decided he want, didn't want to be here, and so do you still keep begging him to come? When he's made it very clear that, you know, they told him, don't decommit. If you decommit, you're telling us you don't want to be here anymore. He could have gone on visits and stayed committed. They would have started recruiting other players because that's just their policy, but they did not force him to decommit. Keon decided he wanted to decommit. So that was Notre Dame's sign that, okay, Keon doesn't want to be here anymore. And, you know, and I don't, I think Keon loves Notre Dame. And I, and, and I, I, I love Keon. I think he's a great kid. I really do. And I, and I know a lot of Notre Dame fans aren't feeling him right now because of his decision, but, I got nothing but love for Keon. I still remember that excited 15-year-old kid that jumped in our chat, you know, when he committed Notre Dame, right? And I I I always like Keon. But he knows he's got a he's got an open door, but he Notre Dame also needs to go do what they're going to do cuz Ryan, if you're if you're a kid that's being recruited by Notre Dame at Viper, you know, Caleb Herring, Shandavian Brad, I mean, pick a guy that everybody wants Notre Dame to go after and they know you're still trying to recruit Keon, you have no chance with them. Very and sure. so then you end up still not getting Keon because he made it very clear he doesn't want to come to Notre Dame. And now you're not going to get those kids. You know, I mean, you, you, they had to do it, in my opinion. I, I don't like it. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fight to the end kind of guy. But I also understand they need a Viper. And if they stay on Keon, they're not only going to not get him, at least as of right now, but then they, they, they decrease their chances that they get a kid that's even in the same universe as Keon Keeley. And right. there aren't many. Right. 
there aren't well, many. And, and that 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 is that is the the that that's the that's the the potential downside is that like if you are just you know putting it out there that like yes, well, Keon Keeley's still our guy. Keon Keeley's still our guy. Then. I mean, Brian, people just got upset about a high upside three-star that just got committed to Notre Dame. If you get someone that's in a similar ballpark to that as your Viper in the class, nobody in Notre Dame fans are going to be happy about that Understandably situation, right? Because at the end of the day, it's right. going to be a downgrade in their minds. So it's and just... To, and look, anyone they get at Viper not named Keon Keeley is a downgrade. I mean, For sure. If they got Damon Wilson, who I rank as a top 20 player in this class, it's a downgrade. Mm-hmm. Keon's my number one ranked player in the country. Which means if you sign the number two player in the country, it's a downgrade from Keon Keeley. Sure, it, it, it just they got to find a kid that can play, and the more that they beg Keon, then the more it's going to be. Well, I don't want to go there. I'm clearly a second option to them even now because they still want Keon. Why would I waste my time with Notre Dame? What if Keon decides in two months he wants to go back to Notre Dame? Then I then I wasted all this time on Notre Dame. It's a decision they had to make. Keon knows if you want to come back to Notre Dame, it's up to you. We did everything we could. To show you the love, we got on you before Bama, way before Bama did. They came on late. You decided you want to take that path. I think it's an easier path for him. I do. And some of the things that that I've been told about, you know, why he made the decision, and I'm not talking about from Notre Dame. Notre Dame hasn't told me why he made the decision. I haven't talked to them about why he made the decision. I'm talking about from his side about why he made the decision. I think he was looking for an easier path. And it's not nothing about football, per se. So I just – that's a choice he made. I got – I mean, he's allowed to make that decision. It's not an insult or criticism, anything. Like I said, I got nothing but love for Keon Keeley. I think he made the wrong decision. I think as a young man, I think he fits in way better at Notre Dame than at Alabama. But I think some people around him have convinced him that that's not accurate. And I think that's the disappointing thing for me. He is about as much of a Notre Dame kid as you're going to find in the state of Florida, in my opinion. But unfortunately, a lot of other people have convinced him that, that the easier path is the better path. And I just... I'm bummed that he eventually kind of made that choice. It was his choice. I mean, Keon, right. Keon cho- like I've talked on the message board. I won't say it publicly, but I've talked on the message board about some of the influences in there. But at the end of the day, Keon made the choice. Do I think he was influenced in that direction? Sure. But it was yeah. ultimately Keon's choice. Right. And, you know, he's a six foot six, 230 pound, 17 year old who knows what he wants at this point in time, you know? And I hope that he wakes up someday and realizes like, man, I had a chance, we talked about earlier, I had a chance to blaze my own trail. I had a chance to go be a legend at Notre Dame, a right. legend at Notre Dame, a leader, a guy that is the if, – if Notre Dame wins a title in the next five years, we're going to look back and point to Keon Keeley if he would have stayed as being like, you know, that's the guy that that you know he he helped build that recruiting class. He helped keep it together. He went there as a great player, and, and you're a legend. I mean, think about how Notre Dame fans feel about Chris Zorich and Bryant Young and, and guys like that. I mean – I know Notre Dame fans still talking about about Jim uh, uh, Ross Browner, you know, who, mm-hmm. who won two titles in Notre Dame. You know, at Alabama, it's oh, he's one of however many, you know, and that's just the reality of it. But that's the path he chose, and it's his choice, and I respect it. I don't like it. I don't have to like it to respect it, and and still respect him. I don't have to agree with everything he does to still think he's a great kid. And well, that, that's just that's how that's I am. the that's the separation for me is that you again, like you said. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to accept it. And, and you know, like it's it's just it's it's a frustrating thing to me because I've just I have seen a lot of people talk about him as a person and his character and just kind of right. taking shots at him. I'm just like, guys, like there's yeah. we, we need to differentiate our feelings from respect. Right. right. Like he's he's a 
Keon Keeley He's is, a bad I, kid for flipping away from Notre Dame. Right. But the kids that flip to Notre Dame are just making a smart decision that's best for right. their future. Is it, right. That's basically what we're hearing from Notre Dame fans. And that's unfortunate, right? And again, I don't like it and agree with it, but to your point, right? To, to, and I don't think, I don't think it's people in our chat. I really don't. No, and no, and no. some of the people bashing him on Twitter are not Notre Dame fans. I mean, sure. so, so some person sitting at home who's never been on Twitter before creates an account in August of 2022 to go bash Keon Keely on Twitter. No, that's an Alabama fan who created an account to make Notre Dame fans look bad. But there are also legitimate Notre Dame fans that have done that, and that's the disappointing thing. But it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. I just wish these – and I've said this to some recruits. Those people on Twitter are not – do not speak for the vast majority of Notre Dame fans. Right. And – but, that I mean, that's that's the world we live in, right? I mean, it's the the vocal minority is the ones that basically set the agenda for what people are going to perceive to be about, whether it's a political party or a – fan base or whatever the case may be. That's just the reality of it. Sean asked with a super, Oh, the second part of that question, Ryan, what was the second part of that question? I, I went away well, from it. Was, the... it, it was about if um, it was a comparison, who was it? It was Tyler Buckner to Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Yep. What do you think about that? I mean, completely different body types. I, I, I actually do like the comparison from just being a dual threat. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they are similar athletes. Marcus Mariota was like a four or five something type of athlete. Like he was a pretty, and he had some, he wasn't like, I don't think he's a tough as runner as Tyler Buckner, but like there was some physicality to him as a runner. Very he wasn't productive. just, yeah, oh, incredibly productive. And I mean, Oregon with how they ran the, the zone read with him was just incredible, right? Like, I mean, he was a, a weapon in the pass in the run game and he was a good passer too. I mean, in college anyway. So I don't hate the comp. It's just the body types I think are kind of throwing me off a little bit. Like Tyler's probably as heavy as Marcus ever was in college, but Marcus was three inches taller. You know what I mean? Like it was just it was a completely different body type. From an ability to impact the game standpoint, I I'm fine with it. You know, I mean, he'll never put up the numbers that Mariota put up because he doesn't play in the Pac-12 and he plays in a different system. I mean, the, the numbers Mariota put up that year were just ridiculous. 4,400 passing yards. He basically kind of put up similar numbers to what Tyler did in high school as a quarterback, passing-wise, at least numbers-wise. 42 touchdowns, four picks, 770 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns. I mean, those are – oh, and he caught a 26-yard touchdown pass that year. Do you remember that? So, uh, you know, will, will Tyler ever put up numbers like that? No. Can Tyler impact the game in a similar way that Marcus Mariota did? That's where I think the cop makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense there. Mariota was a great player at Oregon, man. He was a great, great, great player. So if, uh, if that, Tyler's even close to that, I'll be like, cool, man. <laughs> that works. Th- this is going to be an unpopular opinion, and, and, and I, I don't mean it how it sounds, but I, I, think, I think Mariota was a product of a system to a degree. He was the perfect player for that system, but I, I never felt like he was a natural passer. It was a, a, a – the reads weren't overly complex. It was kind of one, two, check down or run. It wasn't a real intricate, you know, re, full field read offense. Tyler's going to have to do a lot more of that. And I so I think that that is, that is where I think Marcus was somewhat not as prepared for the NFL is in that regard. But even before he got hurt, he was he – was, decent NFL quarterback I thought early in his tenure you know he just yeah, he was okay he wasn't he's, a guy he's that very he's very mechanical mm-hmm. like everything just kind of seems forced as a passer you know what I mean like nothing just which is just there's no naturalness to him as which passer, is which opinion. is where the the what I'm referring to the system comes from Ryan because when you know yeah. I got one or two reads it's you get in your rhythm you make your throw 
when you've got to go through reads, I mean, the NFL, your first read isn't often there, rarely is there, you know, and it's about can you get your feet to where then make that quick throw to that number two guy. And, and you said he's not a guy that can go off of that first read and and have his feet set and quickly get that ball out, throw off platform, do all those type of things as clean and crisp as NFL quarterbacks need to be. And that's what I mean by he was kind of a system guy in that mm-hmm. the system maybe protected some of the deficiencies that he had that you couldn't expose in college, but that you could expose in the NFL. And I, I think they got a little bit exposed in the championship game, but even then Marcos is pretty good in that game. I mean, he ripped off some yeah. big, some big plays. He just didn't have the supporting cast that Ohio state had around him, especially on, on defense. You know, that Oregon had no chance of stopping Ezekiel Elliott that day. None. You, you know, what was really weird about Marcus Mariota, Brian, for a guy that's a dual threat and a really athletic kid. I thought he kind of struggled like changing platforms and throwing on the move and doing all that type of stuff. Like he was a very odd player. Like he had like that kind of over top release. And I felt like the only time he was functional as a passer was in the pocket, just kind of hitting his drops consistently. Like he was not good off script, which is kind of weird for a guy that was that athletic. As a like, passer, like, you're yeah. saying, right? Yes. Like he wasn't yes. good off script as a passer. Throw on yeah. the run, change arm angles. Like he just but, wasn't good at it. But it goes back to what you were saying. He's not what you say mechanical. What I view that as he's not a natural thrower. That's how I view it. He's not a natural thrower. He's an athlete that, you know, kind of learned how to play quarterback. He's not a natural – like, Tyler is a natural thrower. Kyler Murray was a natural – yes, he was a great athlete, but he was a natural thrower of the football. Yep. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson, to a degree, has a natural throwing motion, and I've made this case before. I I just – I think the problem with Lamar is that he's just not being used. They haven't haven't taken the – invested in developing – his uh, throwing ability. And part of me wonders if it's because of, they saw what happened to Robert Griffith, the third, I think the difference is, is they went too far to an extreme with Robert Griffith, the third Griffin, the third, excuse me. And the injury that he had forced them to kind of go too far in the direction of away from running. I think they need to get kind of back to, you know, let that kid be a thrower that then uses his legs to, to be dynamic and you can still run them. Just, you know, make it be more of a, 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 pro style offense and so i'd like to see baltimore do that i've, I've seen some all 22 of baltimore with lamar because i'm like why is he not getting better i really thought he was going to be a good quarterback and when i watched it, i'm like dude what are they they're like running a college offense last year was and- bad man another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get to some more questions here. We have this question from Sean S. Thank you for your super chat, by the way, Sean. Am I expecting too much thinking Xavier Watts will have several hundred yards receiving and several TDs this year? If they play him, no, you're not. 
It's just about will they, it's about will they give him the opportunity? Look, if they play him, right, like play him, like let him be a part of the rotation, I fully expect him to have 18 to 25 catches for 275 to 300 yards. Fully expect that. And two, three touchdowns if they play him. That's the you know minimum. I, I think Xavier Watts is a really good football player. So it's just about whether or not they play him, Ryan. It's just about the opportunity. Or do they go with, you know, Joe Wilkins once he's healthy all the time? Or, you know, I mean, what you know, what are they going to do? If they play him, he'll produce. I fully believe that. Sean, I need you to get your your time machine out. Go to the end of the season. Send me how many snaps Xavier Watts Xavier Watts played at receiver this year, and I will answer this question for you, sir. It's just to Brian's point. I think it's about volume. It's about opportunity. It's about how many reps is he going to get wide receiver? Are they going to play him at both safety and wide receiver consistently? Are there going to be games where it's more of a focus offensively or more focused defensively? Like I think there's just a lot of questions to answer. Just about what mm-hmm. are the opportunity for him? Yeah. That's uh, absolutely correct in that. Um, I don't know what this means. Uh, Chief Brody said, Ryan just look, uh, looks just like Bob from Top Gun Maverick. Do you remember the Still character haven't Bob? Seen it. He was the Still really smart guy. It. Yeah, he mm-hmm. wore glasses. But uh, you haven't seen it yet? I saw. I told you the other day I haven't seen it yet. No. But I thought you were going to correct that mistake, Ryan. I mean, you got to see it in the theaters, man. I'm telling you. you when see I get some theaters. time, I mean. I'll, okay, I'll I, okay Ryan, I'm releasing you from whatever <laughs> duties you may have tomorrow. Okay, to go out and watch Top Gun Maverick. All right, well, I'm supposed so, to go to I'm supposed to go to a young man's uh, you, young you child's said birthday in the morning. party tomorrow. Okay, but... last I checked, movie theaters are open all day. Okay, so we're can, gonna do a you, show Sunday can night. You pay for a babysitter? Yeah, yeah, I, I pay you a lot. You can use some of that to go to get a babysitter. <laughs> so yes, uh, but uh, great, great movie, man. It it's one of those ones where I'm, I keep telling you. You're gonna want to see the first and the theater. There's the action, the sound. It's just you're. It's definitely a move first time movie theater situation. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to do okay. it. Man. Just, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my Venmo in the chat if someone yes. wants to pay for my movie tomorrow. Man, you can pay. Get, see now you're making people <laughs> think I don't pay you. Come on, man. You I know you got. I know you can afford to go to the dang movies. I know cost of living in Jersey is expensive, but come on now. If, if know, anybody could verify that I could afford it, it's you. Okay. So okay. that's very true. Yeah. There you go. Terry Blair with a super chat. Thank you, Terry. We're going to tell you, though, the rest of these super chats today are going to the Ryan Roberts uh, Top Gun Maverick movie fund. Okay. Uh, Terry Blair with a super chat. Can you explain the differences in the practice and preparation between Coach Freeman and BK? Uh, they seem to be a step behind in those big games with BK. So I, I want to say this, Terry, number one, my what I'm telling you is from things I've been told, things I have heard. Ryan has been to some of these practices. Obviously, I have not been in any practices. I've seen some video from the practices. You know, Vince and the guys will take video of the periods that they're at. But just talking to different people, it's tempo is a lot quicker. They're getting a lot more work done, a lot more volume. Notre Dame would stand around a lot when when Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame. And so that's a big part of it, Ryan. The other part is I think there's a lot more competition, right? You're seeing more periods early on where it's like, let's get after it. Let's do something to compete. It's, it's creating more of a every day is a battle type of thing, right? It's, it's challenge everything. It's just, you know, it's compete every day. It's just get after it. Take advantage of your opportunities that you have in front of you uh, are the different things that, that you're saying. So I think those aspects are different, but that's not why Brian Kelly's teams weren't ready in big games. If you talk to anyone around the Notre Dame program, the problem was the coaches would get super emotional and super tight 
in games, big week games. I mean, like super tight. We're like, I mean, just the energy around the place was like, you can't, you don't want to make a mistake because coach is going to crush you. You know what I mean? And you can't be that way. That's the opposite of what Lou Holtz had talked about. It's like, hey, man, they know what's at stake this weekend, right? So let's go out there and mentally get them ready so they don't – because the players are going to naturally be a little tight to start that week. And it's your job as a coach to kind of, hey, guys, one word about this. And and Kelly would say publicly, that, oh, it's just another opponent. That is not how it went in practice and behind the scenes, at all how it went. And this is coming from players throughout his tenure. You know, some of them have said it publicly. All of them say it privately. It just it was a really tense environment. So then, as soon as something bad would happen in the game, it would just snowball because they were already at that kind of that breaking point. And so I think that has more to do with it. We don't know how Marcus Freeman's going to be with that. You know, I mean, this next week is going to tell us. And so I, I, I thought the one positive for me was is how loose they came out in that bowl game. That is the one thing that I took away from that. But I even then I don't want to take too much of it because. He had 15 practices at the point. Now it's his program. Does he change? I mean, what is he going to change to say, hey, we got to change some things to make sure we finish better than we did in that game. But then maintain the things and learn from the things that we felt went out of looking at from a coach standpoint that made us feel we could go out and, and, and play well that entire time. I think yeah. those are the those are the things that they need to, to, to focus on and, and learn from. Well, Brian, what do they say? Like a program is a direct reflection of the leadership, right? Of the coach. And I mean, if, if your leadership is tight and, you know, kind of just, you know, in their own minds, in their heads, right? Like psyching themselves out, then how is the team supposed to react? Like they learn those behaviors, right? Like, I mean, right. that's, that's like teaching one-on-one is that you, that you, you, you show the behaviors that you want, you model the behaviors. Like that's the biggest thing, right? So like, I, I mean, you played, I played, I'm, I know a lot of people in this chat have played football just played sports in general. Like we don't have to just keep this at football when you're tight, man, you just don't perform. You need to be loose. That's why people like, you know, plug their earbuds in and just kind of get in their groove before games, whatever your groove is. I mean, you, you can't, you just can't play tight. It's not, it's, it's not the way to win. So it's, yep. Yep, yep. Yep. I don't know oh. why you would change it. I mean, I understand that there's the importance of like a bigger game versus a game that you should definitely win. But like, why wouldn't you want it to be a consistent approach to a game? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's yeah. very flawed thinking in my opinion. Yep. Ryan Loftus has a question. He says, is CJ Carr's situation not allowed to be spoken of? I asked about him without start stating anything on my posts were taken down by on IB. Your posts weren't taken down. We already had three other posts about that. They were all merged into one. So that yep. way, just because everybody had the same question and I want everybody to be able to see the answers that I have given in those threads. So that's why it was merged, right? It wasn't deleted. It wasn't posted down. The, the the posts that were taken down yesterday about this subject were not because of the subject. It's because I've told people, don't post links, don't post tweets from other Notre Dame writers and reporters. They don't allow our stuff on their sites, and we're going to be the same way. And it just it is what it is. So uh, it's yeah. a subject that is more than uh, able to talk about. As far as the situation, there is no situation. Like I, I'm going to keep saying this. It's it's what it's always been. Notre Dame wants C.J. Carter reclassify. He knows they want him to reclassify. As of today, his plan is to stay in the 2024 class. Could that change moving forward? Yes, he's allowed to change his mind if he chooses to do so down the road. But as of today, as of last night, nothing has changed. That tweet that was sent out last night, or that you know that Notre Dame clearly gave to people to put out, is nothing different than all. They, they have been very clear with C that they'd like him to reclassify. They've also been very clear with CJ that they will support whatever decision he does make. They're not mm -hmm. pushing him from a coercion standpoint. 
they're letting them know, yeah, we'd love for you to reclassify. But as of right now, CJ's plan is to focus on this season and stay in the 2024 class. That could change some point down the road. So there is no situation that's changed. It's just it's now being talked about more because of the tweet from last night. And But nothing is new. Nothing has changed other than, you know, CJ is still engaging in those conversations. I, you know, I, it, but it's he hasn't changed his mind. Those conversations have been going on. It's it, not frequently because they don't want to push the kid. But right now, CJ's com- CJ's focus yesterday was on trying to beat Hudsonville, not yeah. whether or not he is or isn't going to classify, reclassify. And so, what I don't want this to turn into is a thing where we just constantly rehash this every single week, right? That's the situation. Notre Dame wants him to reclassify. They'll support whatever he chooses to do. Right now, he's focused on being in the twenty-four class but hasn't shut down the door to be to reclassification, right? That's where we're at. And if that changes, I promise you, I'll let you know. That's why you need to be on the message board, but there is no situation beyond that. Okay. So, um, but I don't mind talking about it, Ryan. It's just what was happening yesterday was like, we were just had like five people, like five, six different posts. And so I didn't delete them, but we have the option to merge threads in to together. So they're Mm -hmm. kind of all in the same thing. So that's what happened with your post. It is your tweet is your post is still there. It's just in that, and I think the title is like interesting pick, I think is the title of the thread that your, your, your post now exists because it was, it talked about the very topic that you were asking about. So uh, we did address the CJ Carr situation. And Ryan, I know you're on the board, so you'll find out, but if anything changes on that end or any new information comes sure. out, the first people that will know are boards that Irish breakdown.com. So just right. keep locked in there, Ryan. I know you right. are, but if anybody else is interested in that conversation, Feel free right. to join the message board today. Right. So, I mean, again, like that's where we're at. And, you know, it's going to keep getting rehashed every time something like this happens. And that's fine. And I have no problem talking about CJ reclassifying. What all my only issue is, is it's like eight, nine. And it's like, well, you know, I, I'm not on the boards 24-7. That's cool. But just spend 60 seconds just browsing the board to see if it's already on there or not. That's all I ask. And don't, because like, there was one day there was like literally five posts in a row of people posting the same exact thing. It's like, guys, it literally taking you five seconds to look and see that just, you know, see if it's already there and then we'll talk about it there. And, and if it's something that I don't want you to talk about, I'll make a public statement. So like, that's what we did with Dante Moore. And we said, we're, we're not going to talk about Dante Moore. It's going to be in this one thread. We're not going to talk about Dante anymore. That was a unique situation. I don't have a problem talking about CJ reclassification. I just have a problem with people doing things that we've asked, not be done on the board. And I don't think it was done in bad spirit. It's just like people get excited sometimes and they, they want to share it. So what somebody else did is they just took the pick and then posted the pick. Cool. It's still there. Right. And what it was is it was a car and then four and then a four Jersey and then a 23 Jersey. Right. As they're watching, the staff is watching CJ car playing. So, I mean, it was clearly a recruiting ploy and a pretty smart one. If you ask me, it was a, a shirt with a car on it. And then a, a four jersey, and then a twenty-three jersey. So I thought it was pretty, pretty ingenious. But that's just more of the same for Notre Dame and CJ Carr. So that's that's where we're at. So hopefully that answers the question. Uh, but I have no problem, people. And people ask in that same thread, Ryan. I talk about my yeah. overall thoughts on reclassification. Uh, mm-hmm. I talk about you know I don't like reclassification, but why I also understand why Notre Dame wants CJ to do it and the merits that there would be for CJ to do it. So I'm trying to take a a both sides look at this of explaining the merits of both sides uh, because at the end of the day, it's CJ's car's decision and whatever he and his family think is best for him is what they're going to do. And I'm good with either decision. 
I mean, if he reclassifies, it gives you a top 50 quarterback in your 2023 class. And and then now you can have time to regroup and figure out what you're going to do in 2024. If he doesn't reclassify, they're going to keep recruiting the kids on the board now that they like and and try to close on one of them. But there's nothing new about what's going on. It's just the same old. Yeah. And and could I say something real quick, Brian? I don't know what the original conversation was in the chat, but Someone, I think someone had said that CJ Carr threw four interceptions last night. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of had four turnovers. Yes, right. he had four turnovers, two interceptions, two fumbles. Me and Brian talked about it a little bit on the instant analysis. I thought CJ, from a physical perspective, looked pretty good, but yeah. we both agreed that just forcing a little too much. Yeah, like there was just a couple throws like that you're the just one like pick, trying he's a like little scrambling around and then yeah. tries to launch it forty yards into the end right. zone, and his receiver didn't make a great play on the ball, but it's just not a ball he should have thrown. I think one of the fumbles he was trying to scramble around, you know, just I think he was just trying to do too much, which guys will do early in the year. But what I liked, I like to see quarterbacks suck sometimes, to be completely honest with you, and, and make – I don't say suck. He didn't suck last night. But I like to see quarterbacks struggle sometimes, make mistakes, because yes. that's when you really learn about the moxie, the attitude, the perseverance. Look, when everything's natural for a quarterback, Ryan, it's it's easy to, for them to, to, hey, rolling, I'm completing 80% of my passes. My team is killing somebody. I want to see how a kid handles – when you are the reason that your team is losing right now because of your turnovers, what do you do? Well, you know what CJ did last night? So, okay, that's on me. I'm going to go make up for it, throw this bomb, and just drop a dime over my receiver's shoulder to go set us up. I'm going to lead us down on this, this go-ahead touchdown, and then I'm going to lead us again on another touchdown that puts this game away. And, yeah, my struggles, my turnovers are why we struggled to win last night. And I'm going to learn from that. But then does he bounce back and say, okay, but it's not going to make us lose because now I'm going to do what I need to do. I, I like it when quarterbacks are put in those situations because you learn a lot about a kid mentally when he comes out. And, and I think, what, three of them were in the first half, I believe? I think so. If yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. And and so I, I, you learn a lot about a kid when, when he has those kind of issues. And we learned a lot about C.J. Carr last night. His game is still evolving. And, he, and, and he's a kid that's got a little bit of moxie because Hudson feels a, a – a, from what I understand, a pretty quality football team at that level. So, yeah, well, I'll say this. I mean, the positives are they won the football game. So ultimately that's, that's awesome. He still threw for 350 yards and like two touchdowns or something like that. So he still had some pretty good stats. And I'll say this when he was staying within his, in, within himself. And even when he was working out structure a little bit, Brian, I thought he looked more filled out, which was nice to see. I thought the ball came off his hand a little with a little more juice than you would you would anticipate from a kid going from sophomore to junior year. I think I thought there was just natural maturation from an arm strength perspective. And I thought when he was on schedule and he was crisp, I thought he could put the ball wherever he wanted, if I'm being honest. Like I thought the ball placement was generally very good. To your point, just pressing a little too hard at some points. Cause I mean, he is really good. He knows it. Yeah. And you know, he's well, he was trying to win the game on, on yeah. a single throw sometimes yeah. last night. Yeah, and that's part of the learning process. Hey, Ryan, before we move on to the next question, there's a, a super chat from Mark Stewart at 205 that is not – it's showing up at the top for me, but it's not showing up in there, so I can't star it. Can you see it? It's at the 205 mark. Can you see if you can find that and star that so we can bring that up uh, in, in the chat at some point in time uh, here moving forward? So I want to – I mean, I, I can see it to where I can read it, but uh, – I got it. Did you were you able to start it? Yep, it's started. okay. Cool. So we'll get to that here in a second, Mark. So I, I appreciate that, buddy. Uh, Sean S says, if you had to bet, how many players on the current roster go first round in the next NFL draft? Jordan Reed had one out today, right? He had two. Yeah, um, we've seen up to four different guys go round one in different mocks. How where where would you project it right now? 
I think two is a really safe number. If I'm being like, I, I would be surprised at this point, unless something catastrophic happened that Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey were not first round picks next year. I think that that's a, the safe players to bet on. Then after that, it's Brandon Joseph, Cam Hart and Jared Patterson. Like those are the next three guys that you can kind of talk about in that vein. I'll say two to three right now, but I do think that there's four potentially that could go in the first round. Like I think Notre Dame's going to have a, one of the better NFL drafts um, cycles they've had in a long time, man. Like they, they got some dudes in this year's class, but I, I think Jordan's playing it pretty safe and I respect it. I think two to three is the number. It's really dependent yeah. on Cam Hart taking a big step. Is he the third guy? Brandon Joseph getting back more to 2020 version. He could potentially sneak into the first and Jared Patterson staying healthy and right. you know, kind of taking his game to the next level. So there's three if, wild cards, but I think Foskey and Mayer are the pretty safe bets right now. If he has another, if he misses games this year, I think that almost is assuredly is going to knock Jared Patterson out of the first round because he's missed a few games. Yeah, I mean, he, and he's been hurt. He had the pectoral injury from this off season. He missed games in 2020. Yep, he needs to he needs to be healthy, in my opinion. And just real Agreed. quick, Josh P said, "Okay, so so Notre Dame does want him to reclassify." Interesting. Yeah, Josh, we've said this all along. I mean, this is not a new fact. We've talked. Notre Dame has always wanted him to reclassify. That's that's not new. TJ doesn't want to reclassify as of right now. His focus is on 2024. That's from CJ's own words. I mean, he he doesn't want to reclassify right now, but he has not shut it down. And here's the interesting thing that, that he told me. He has already done what he would need to do. He's on pace to graduate in, in a time that would allow him to reclassify. It's just he – so he I mean, kind of just kind of says a lot about the kid – Hey, I don't want to do this right now, but I want to also be in position where if I change my mind, I've done the work I need to do. Yep. And you know, that's that's kind of how you want a quarterback to be, right? I mean, you know, you want him to be in that point of view, but and and Notre Dame's not against reclassifying. The reason Notre Dame didn't take Braylon James reclassification is because they didn't have room. They didn't have the scholarship for him because of you know where they're at. They couldn't guarantee that they would be able to get down to 85. They ended up getting down there, but at the time they just couldn't they couldn't risk it. Uh, at that you know so but it's a little different for next year they're going to be in a better position next year to do that because then the 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 scholarship they have allotted right now for quarterback in 2023 would go to him so they've always wanted that but there's a reason they're also recruiting other quarterbacks because they know that cj right now does not want to reclassify and they're not pressuring him to reclassify Mm -hmm. there's i think that needs to be very clear they've let it be known where they stand and that they'd want them to do it, but it's not like a, there's no pressure. It's not like, Hey man, you know, if you don't do this, you're hurting us. Or if you don't do this, you're screwing us over. Or you're, you're going to, you know, we may have to go look to somebody to replace you. None of that is happening. It's not a pressure thing. It's just like, look, man, here's why we want you. Right. Here's why we think you play for us. Here's why, you know, get an extra year of eligibility, right. Or not actually an extra start, you know? So mm-hmm. the, the, if he does come in 23, it's not to beat out Tyler Buckner. It's to, learn for a year, and then in 2024, you can push Tyler, but either A, Tyler goes pro early mm-hmm. and, and you step in, or that now you're now spending your what would be your freshman year kind of backing Tyler up and being ready to step in if Tyler gets hurt. Right. And that would be that would be kind of the, the plan for him. And then if he doesn't start in 2024, the kid still has three years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. And and it would make him a fifth year player it's a lot more likely that CJ Carr is a fifth year player at Notre Dame. If he enrolls early, like, I don't mean enrolls early. Let me rephrase that reclassifies 
you have a much mm-hmm. better shot of having him be a fifth year if he reclassifies than you do if he stays on track. Because a kid like him, who's going to be 18 years old as a senior, is going to is the odds of him staying for five years if he's starting as a redshirt freshman. Because then he would he would redshirt as a freshman at 24, assuming Tyler doesn't get hurt. He would play his four games and then and then save a year and then you know have four years left. The odds of him playing those final four years are are not great if he's as good as you think he's going to be. So you have a much better shot of having him in your system for five years if he reclassifies. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yep. No, I, I think I think you hit pretty much every layer of it, Brian. I would say for the people on, I mean, in the chat and just general Notre Dame fans. You all love the numbers so much from recruiting side of things, and if if TJ Carr does reclassify, then Notre Dame gets a nice little bump in twenty twenty three. But yeah, huge bump yeah. to have a top fifty quarterback and wherever he would end up in that class. So we'll see what happens, man. I, I again, I I am I'm kind of with Brian in the same wavelength of reclassification for for any player, honestly. But for CJ specifically, I, I don't think that you should rush it, but. Ultimately, that's not my decision, and yeah. I don't fault Notre Dame for pushing sure. for that because sure. it makes sense from their side. It really does. And here's the difference between his situation and what we've seen some other kids reclassifying, like Tony Grimes. They brought Tony Grimes into play as a freshman. They're not bringing in C.J. Carr to play in 2023. This is a forward-thinking move in a lot of ways. That is one difference where I'm a little bit more open to it then I would have been if it was like, hey, Tyler's not panning out. We're going to bring a CJ in a year early to compete for the starting job. No, no. Look, I, like, I think that hurt JT Daniels. I, I do. I don't think JT ever recovered. He was not mature enough to handle that spotlight as an 18-year-old. I don't think he was. In, in USC. And too. I wouldn't have been. That's yeah. not an insult of JT Daniels. I mean, f- I mean, I wouldn't have been prepared to handle that at 18 years old i mean so i'm not 90 percent of people would not have been no it's probably higher (laughs) like yeah yeah. right and you lost a whole year of development as a high school kid and a young man and that's a great program i mean he could have benefited from another year with coach rollis and just growing up as a young man you know so but this situation is different they're not bringing now could cj be thrust in the starting lineup potentially but that's not why they're bringing him in
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.